This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. to be doing here live in Jerusalem is the six steps to finding your soulmate. Now, some of you may already be married, some of you may be single, but that don't matter none. We're going to figure out how to find your soulmate, and if you're already married, you're going to help others find their soulmate using these six steps. What are the six steps? The six steps are from the acronym HAPPY, H-A-P-P-E-Y. Now, you may be saying, what, adding an E to the word happy, it's not spelled that way. Well, this class has six steps, so happy is going to be spelled H-A-P-P-E-Y. We're going to start with the H. Okay, Number one is H, and H is the word Hashem. Hashem, which means God, or the name literally, it means God. And what's the point? Why do you get married faster? By knowing the H, the, that there is Hashem, and the answer is, is that the H stands for Hashem because Hashem knows who you're going to marry. We have a great saying from our sages that 40 days before you're even conceived, meaning when you were parents, were staring into each other's eyes on that cruise ship, <laughs> the name of your soulmate was already called out in heaven. So God already knows exactly who you're supposed to marry. So imagine I knew who you were supposed to marry. If I knew who you were supposed to marry, would you bribe me? Would you try to get the answer, try to find out who it is? Well, there is someone who knows who you're supposed to marry. It's God. And what's your job? Your job is to worry about your relationship with God. You worry about your relationship with God. Let God worry about your relationship with your soulmate. And it really works really works, you know, so many people think that it's totally up to them to find their soulmate. So they get themselves all dolled up, they spend all this extra money in clothes and other accessories, when in fact their soulmate could be on another continent. In fact, your soulmate could be right in front of you, but if you haven't evolved to where you're supposed to evolve to in life, you won't even recognize one another as soulmates. Our job is to really worry about our own growth, and our own growth is ultimately experience via our search and connection and constant deepening of our connection with God. You worry about your relation with God, let God worry about your connection with your soulmate. And you will see that in a world like the Jewish world that I live in here in Jerusalem, there's like, it's like an epidemic of marriages. Okay? People are getting married all the time. Marriage after marriage, wedding after wedding. I mean, the, the amount of money you could spend just on cabs, going from wedding to wedding to wedding to wedding. I go to the reception of this wedding, the chuppah of that wedding, the dancing of that wedding, the main course of that wedding, and I go to the dessert of that wedding. I go to the mitzvah dance of that wedding, and I, I have, sometimes I have six weddings a night here. And you'll see that there's no real fraternizing. We're not mixing all the time. It's just everyone's worrying about the relationship with God, and God's worrying about your relationship with your soulmates. So number one is H. Number one of happy is H. It stands for Hashem. Okay, everyone's got number one. Number one, Hashem. Number two. Number two is A, and that is alive. Most likely, whomever you're supposed to marry is already alive. You know, I can't imagine you're going to marry someone who's, you know, 25 years younger than you. Okay? Your soulmate's already there. So what is this alive step? 
The alive step is start by having a relationship now with the person that you're going to marry. Look at me. I don't know who it is. How am I supposed to have a relationship? Answer. Go to the hotel. Go down to the hotel and pray for that person. The next time you're praying, before you go to bed at night, maybe that person you're going to marry is feeling down. Maybe they're feeling sick. Maybe they just lost their job. If your husband or wife just felt sick or lost their job or something else went wrong, would you not pray for them? Would you not hope they feel better? Would you not put in a good word for them upstairs? Develop the relationship now. So in the word alive, which is the A of happy, is to already develop your relationship with your soulmate. Start relating to them. You can write them little love letters. You know what a, a lichtzettel is, a, a light note is? It, by, your sh- by your wife's Shabbos lights, on Friday, you can leave a note for her. So before she lights the candles, she can read a little note from you. I mean, after all, we already set up the candles. The men set up the candles for the wives. And we can leave a little note to bring her into Shabbos, maybe a little something on that week's Parsha, get her into context of the, of the Shabbos. And you can do that now. And you know what? Even if you, you can't hand it to her because you don't know who she is, but you can write her a note, and you can write him a note for when you'll meet him. And when you finally meet them, you can hand him a whole stack of notes from all the Shabbases that you had yet to meet. So there's two points, though, for A. One is that whomever you're supposed to marry is already alive, so therefore start developing that relationship. And the second aspect of that, or B, is dignity. Dignity. You know how people say, you know, when I get married, you know, I'm no longer going to go there anymore. When I get married, I'm not going to do that anymore. When I get married, I'm not hanging out over there anymore. You know how we have this, like, dual life, we're going to live like our single life where we'll do X, Y, and Z, but our married life where I'm not going to do that anymore. That's not the way to go. When you say that, what you're ultimately saying is you're not ready to get married. You're constantly showing God you're not ready to get married. When you're doing all the things you're not going to do after you get married, start living with the dignity of a married person. Whatever it is you're going to change once you get married, change it now while you're single. Show God that you are someone who's already living by the level of dignity of a married person and let God say, hmm, this is a person who's creating a vessel for marriage. So that's, again, H was happy. A, alive. Alive has two points. Point A is start developing the relationship with the person you're going to marry. And B is start living with the integrity that you're going to have once you're married while you're still single. Show God that you're, the, you're a vessel that's fitting for marriage. And now the P. P, well, there's two Ps. The first P is the word private. Learn how to be a private person. You'll notice that in the Jewish world, you'll never hear rabbis or rebbitsons or anyone share their private, intimate stuff with you. They just will never broach the topic of their intimate life with their spouse with you. It is private. Yet you'll hear in the not-so-Torah-oriented world people who are willing to share all kinds of details that are just inappropriate to be sharing. And we, especially today with our social networking, people have lost kind of any concept of what is meant to be your inner world, your private world. So in the Jewish world, there's a high level of privacy when it comes to the intimacy of a couple. And so... By now becoming someone who has an inner world 
an inner world that is their private inner world, and by developing it and protecting it and creating kind of a fortress around your heart, not the kind of fortress that's out of uh, having been hurt in the past. That's a whole other thing you've got to deal with. I'm talking more just saying that, that there, there, there's a special space here. There's a sanctuary, let's call it. There's a sanctuary around my heart, and it's not available for everyone to view. And by showing God that you are someone who can handle privacy and knows how to keep intimate things to yourself or to some very, very close confidants, then God is saying that, hey, here's a person ready for Jewish marriage, which is the ultimate of privacy. You know, I, I was once walking out of my house with a couple, and my wife, we were going out together, and the, my wife and I are this couple, and the, the, the husband of the lady put his arm around his wife as we're walking out, but we're in a Yiddish-speaking fiddler on the roof, shtetl. People don't do that. So my wife and I just kind of looked over our shoulder, and he immediately took his arm off her shoulder. He said, I shouldn't do that. And my wife said something amazing. She said, those who have it don't show it, and those who show it don't have it. Never feel jealous when you look out of a bus window or something, you see two people making out on the side of the road or something. Like, don't feel jealous about those things. Always remember, those who show it don't really have it. And those who have it, they don't need to show it because they really have it. And when do they show it? They show it when it's private, when it's intimate. Private. Show God that you're private about such intimate matters. And God will say, hmm, that person's ready for Jewish marriage. That's the first P. So H is Hashem. A, alive. P, private. And now the second P. The second P, um, ladies don't like this one very much. They'll want to kill me for this. But don't worry, the guys are going to want to kill me for the E. Okay? So we're going to go right to the P. The P is platonic. Platonic means we're just friends. There's nothing really going on between us. We're just friends. Now, first of all, guys don't have platonic relationships. And, um, but the second main point is that to find your soulmate, you need to need. Everything in life only is the fulfillment of desire. Like for anything to happen in this world, it's because a need got filled. God has set up the system of creation that where there is desire, there is fulfillment. But the problem is, is that if you're already having all these platonic relationships, these we're just friends relationships, so what happens is all your need is already filled, and, and so God can't actually send the soulmate to fulfill the need because the need's already been covered. What does that have to do with women? What it has to do with women is women have multispectral relationships. Their needs and relationships have, have a large spectrum. And our job as men is to meet as many of those spectrums as possible. Not every man can meet every aspect of the spectrum, but the more the man meets, the happier the wife is, the happier the marriage is. The less of the spectrum he meets, she'll fulfill it with her friends, shopping, eating, all kinds of other things. She'll find other ways to fulfill those spectrums. And it pays, by the way, to fill them as much as you can just with your relationship with them. Now, what happens is, in the old days, people used to get married very, very young. So by the time she had all those multispectral needs going on, she's already got a spouse. But in our generation, where people are getting married later and later and later and later, why? Ultimately, because 
you know, we were thrown to the wolves to get ourselves married, which never was the case throughout all the years of history. Whether you were a Jew or a Gentile, for thousands of years, your parents actually took care of that for you. And look how society's doing ever since we've been trying to take care of that ourselves. Not so well. It has been an absolute disaster, actually. But back to our program. The, uh, what happens is, well, she never got married. She didn't get married at 12 like they do in Iran or 14 like they did in Belarus or wherever, whatever the ages were. She didn't get married. And then she turned 18. She didn't get married in 19 and 20 and 21, 22, 25, 23, 30, 41. They, it just got later and later. But she has all these needs. Now, she could have had all those needs met by girlfriends, by lady friends. But there's a whole other aspect, and that is that... Um, uh, it's a strange thing. It's one of the weird things that came up with the whole, uh, the whole uh, feminist movement and stuff is that women don't like women very much. It's the weirdest thing in the world because it's all about you know women, strong, pride, and like we're the women. Except you ask most women, they don't like women very much. Women don't really like women. They like men. And men handle all their needs. So like if they get a job and they want to go out and party, they have a guy set up for that. It's always that guy. They've known him since high school. They go out and party. Yeah, if she loses her job, she has another guy that she goes out for having lost the job. Okay, and it goes on with like whatever's going on in her life, she's got a, already a guy tapped for each of those particular emotions that she's feeling that she needs to share with somebody. And in other words, she's married already, even though she's never gotten married. She's married to all these different men that she's tapped as her, you know, fulfillers of the spectrums of her needs in relationship. So what is the advice here? The advice is no platonic relationships. You got to be ready for this. Most women are like, what? I'm not doing that. You want me to just like go high and dry? Like no one to talk to? No, no, no relationships? Well, there's two ways to deal with this. One is, um, one is start enjoying relationships with women. Women are people too. Yeah, you can actually have relationships with women. And number um, two is, follow the advice, you'll land yourself a spouse, you'll land yourself a husband, and now you're going to have someone to fulfill all your needs in the relationship. Meaning, this works. I will give you a promise, anyone, I will give you a promise, anyone who takes on to stop being friends with guys in honor of getting married will be engaged within six to eight months. Six to eight months, Hashem will send the soulmate. Because it takes a little time till the need starts developing. Like, I need I need a relationship. I need a relationship. And what happens is that that space is created and the relationship comes in. Now, obviously, there's all kinds of reasons why someone may still be without their soulmate. Because, after all, we all are reincarnations and we're all dealing with residual stuff from previous lives. And there's a lot more to the story than that. But if there aren't residual kind of cosmic debt from previous lives of why someone stayed single. Someone can actually find their soulmate quite quickly by just dropping the platonic relationships. I'll tell you one example. There was a person who had the biggest Shabbos tables. It was a girl, big Shabbos tables, like packed every single week with people, every dinner, every lunch, every third meal, packed with guests. She was the most popular Shabbos table you could go to. She was famous for her Shabbos table. But we just saw her getting older and older and older and older and never getting married. And everyone loved her. Everyone was crazy about this girl. Everyone loved her. In fact, as a rabbi, 
I used to counsel the boys in the yeshiva. And <laughs> so there would be like boys waiting in line, and then I'd be meeting with this one boy, and he'd say, Rabbi, it's just amazing. I, I found my soulmate. I'm madly in love with her. I'm sure she's madly in love with me. And I'm like, really, uh, it wouldn't happen to be so-and-so, would it? The girl who, with the Shabbos And he's like, it is. How did you know? This is totally Bashir. You know, and I'd say, you see all those guys sitting over there? They're about to tell me the same exact thing. <laughs> Yet she stays single year after year. So anyway, she's crying at the Kota. I never even met the girl. I just would hear about it. So she's crying at the Kota every day, crying at the Kota. God, send me my soulmate, please. I can't take it anymore. Please, please, please. And every day, anyway, eventually my, my wife says, we got to talk to this girl. So we go to her house. We knock on the door. Hi, we're the Glazers. Uh, we just want to have a little talk with you about your uh, life. <laughs> She's like, what? <laughs> anyway, we told her the whole thing, enough having like 30 best friends who are guys and all that stuff, and just like, just get rid of them all, and you will be married. And she's like, I beg your pardon, you can just leave my house right now. And so my wife and I was like, okay, you know, we tried. You know, we left her house, and she was very angry with us. Eight more months of the cult of blah, God said. You know, tears bouncing off her face, landing on the hotel floor. And anyway, finally, after eight months, she says, that's it. I'm taking their advice. She goes to her house, goes through her list of her best male friends. And she calls each one. And it's like crying. She's like, I'm so sorry, but it's over. You know, and I, I can't go out. With, I can't be friends with you anymore. And uh, whatever. And I, I got to get married already. And this is ridiculous. And anyway... When she finally finishes the last phone call, hangs up the phone, there's a knock at the door. She goes to the door, and there's some curly-headed guy outside her door saying, saying, uh, excuse me, I heard this is where the Shabbos meals are. I was just wondering, uh, what time this week uh, will the Shabbos dinner be? And she's like, there is no more Shabbos dinner, okay? Shabbos has been canceled. Okay? And he's like, what? Can- canceled Shabbos? I mean... It's still Shabbos, but not here. Not in my house anymore. He's like, why not? And she goes on to explain and everything and tells him why not and everything. Anyway, she invited me to their chuppah. I made a bracha under their chuppah. That's who she married. She married this hapless guy. You get that? Platonic. Get rid of the platonic relationship. So H, Hashem. Hashem knows who you're supposed to marry. You worry about your relationship with Hashem. Let Hashem worry about your relationship with whom you're supposed to marry. Two, was alive. Your soulmate's alive. That means, A, develop the relationship now. B, start living with the integrity of a married person. P, P was private. Start developing the level of privacy that a Jewish marriage enjoys. The other P, platonic. Get rid of the platonic relationships. Create that need and let God fulfill the void. Let him fill the void with your soulmate. And then E, that's right, we spell happy with an E, and that E is expectations. Expectations. You see, we all have this like Santa Claus wish list of who we want to marry. You know, just like this long list of all the things in the perfect spouse. I suggest you make that long Santa Claus wish list. I suggest you make that wish list and make it about 100 items long of all the things in a perfect spouse. Take it to a well-ventilated area and burn it. 
that wish list that you have in the perfect spouse, I'll give you another title for it instead of the perfect spouse. Let's call it the no working on my marriage list. Okay, What it really is, or the comfort list. I want a comfortable marriage. And when you ask most men, what do you want in a marriage? They say, uh, I'd like to marry a woman who is low maintenance. Seriously, they say this to me all the time. What are you looking for in a girl? I, oh, my gosh, those, the matchmakers, the shatchanim, you know, they're just like, don't tell me, low maintenance. Yeah. I mean, he basically, he doesn't want to be married, but he wants to be married. You know, married without marriage, you know. So, anyway, this whole wish list is ridiculous. Like, they, they, the people don't like that. First of all, they don't exist. Even if they did exist, God would send other issues. You know, life is about work. Marriage is about work. You want a great marriage, it's because you're going to have a lot of work in the marriage. There's no such thing as a marriage without work. And don't think when you see those two, you know, don't think when you see a couple, don't think when you see a couple at a Shabbos table, you know, staring into each other's eyes with the kids and the guests, and it's all so romantic. Yet, don't think like they're on glue or we're born that way or something. You didn't get to see, like, the, the tears, you know. You didn't get to see what they went through to get to that level of connection. They worked on it. Marriage is about work. So get off Santa's lap and get real, okay? And what does it mean to get real? Getting real means that you know you're going into the work and what, who you want is who God wants for you. You want to marry, ultimately, your soulmate. Now, there are such things as deal breakers. You can have up to three deal breakers, and none of them can have to do with looks. Because when you ask the average guy what he's looking for, what are his deal breakers, what are his top priorities, number one is usually looks, number two is usually looks, and number three is usually looks. Okay? Looks, looks, and looks. Okay? Well, I have a little advice for you men. I suggest you look in a mirror. Okay? And if it doesn't break, you will look in that mirror and you look at your face and you say, what kind of girl is supposed to marry a face like this? Okay? Just look in that mirror and just keep staring and figure out what kind of girl is supposed to marry a guy who looks like Lurch from the Adams family. <laughs> okay? So they... The uh, men are so brainwashed by billboards and advertising, pop-up ads, and of course a little loose clicking when no one's looking, and uh, all the things that men have seen with their eyes of what girls are, they are already hopeless. They are, they, there's nothing they can do to even see their soulmates anymore, because they've already, like, they, they just don't even know what it would look like. Because they're just totally brainwashed that she's some kind of like five foot eleven Scandinavian, you know, lady named uh, you know Hilda or something. I don't know. The <laughs> it's not the picture of a Jewish woman. You don't, you don't even know anymore. You're lost. Okay, just get it that you're lost. Okay, and the and thank God for the intuition of Jewish women, or you'd be totally lost. Because when you finally have a woman whose intuition's buzzing away and just going like. I think he's the one, I think he's the one, I think he's the one. And you'll be getting scared, scared, scared. Like, I'm really scared, I'm really scared. So that's when you know it's probably right. Her strong intuition and your absolute fear. Okay? So that's more what you're looking for here. Okay? And then, then maybe you got something going on. Okay? And uh, so, so when it comes to expectations, 
forget it, drop the expectation. But deal breakers, you're allowed up to three deal breakers, and all three must be, um, they can't be intrinsic to women. They can't be like women things. They can't be like warm, kind, and giving. Okay? That's the Webster Dictionary definition of a woman. Okay? Warm, kind, and giving. Of course, someone always says, not in Manhattan. You know? <laughs> okay, so for, besides Manhattan, that is the definition of a woman. Okay? Warm, kind, and giving. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about deal breakers. Like, for example, uh, she has two PhDs. She has two PhDs, and he's, he's a high school dropout who waits tables. Okay? Deal breaker. She'll never respect him. Like, she may be enamored with him. She may think he's really handsome. You know, and only in L.A. would a girl ever date such a guy. Um, you know, because it just looks so good when we're driving around together. You know? Just looks good. <laughs> it's like, honey, forget it. Deal breakers like the PhDs, or, or if you're Persian, for example. Persians like to marry Persians, okay? It's a deal breaker. She's not marrying, you know, Hans, Franz, Dans, Klans, you know? She, you know, she, she wants to marry a Persian man. Okay, if he's not Persian, so Moroccan, second best, okay? So, you know, <laughs> you know, but she's not marrying, you know, you know, Schlumpke Goldstein, you know? So... <laughs> So that can be a deal breaker. Doesn't have to be. I met Persians who are willing to marry, you know, an Ashkenazic person or whatever. But you got to figure out what your deal breakers deal breakers are. If you have them, some people don't have deal breakers. For some people, deal breaker is Shabbos. Got to keep Shabbos. Okay, kosher. Got to be committed to keeping kosher. Committed to keeping kosher. That might be a deal breaker for someone. For another person, they're like, okay, I'm willing to grow with them. We'll grow into it together. I'm not ready for that, but I'll marry someone who's also not, as long as they're willing to grow. So a deal breaker might be that it's not a, she's not a growth person, or he's not a growth person. Meaning, I'm not there, but I know I'm going there. Whereas, he ain't going there, or she ain't going there. Because certain people, you can see, they're not growth people. They're kind of Popeyes, you know, like yams. They like yams. I yam what I yam. Yeah, don't change me. I yam what I yam. So, when it comes to expectations, so we're looking for, we're looking for no expectations. Get rid of your Santa Claus wish list, or as we said, get off Santa's lap. And deal with only deal breakers. What are the deal breakers? As far as attraction looks, it's more about attraction. Attraction is not necessarily looks. Attraction is a chemistry thing. Attraction is just a, it's something you feel. You know, it's not necessarily anything objective about attraction. And that's the way it is, you know. So expectations, that's the E of happy, okay? So H was Hashem. Hashem's in charge. He knows who you're supposed to marry. You worry about your relationship with God. Let him worry about your relationship with your soulmate. A is alive. Your soulmate's alive, which means, number one, develop a relationship. Number two is to uh, live with the integrity of a married person. The P is private, develop an inner world. And the other P is platonic, get rid of your platonic relationships. You're already married just to no one. And number, and then the, the E is expectations. And expectations, get rid of all your expectations and start living in the reality that marriage is about work. You got deal breakers, so pay strong attention to your deal breakers. But other than that, get rid of the expectations and just 
Go with the work of the marriage, and that will create a great marriage. And last but not least is the letter Y, and that stands for you. Whomever you marry is going to be married to you. So they're going to be dealing with you. I want you to imagine that you are a swimming pool. And whomever you marry is going to be swimming in your pool. Now, when you have a pool party, you want to kind of go check your pool before everyone arrives. Okay? You want to just go through there with a little screen, get the leaves. You want anything funky floating by, you know. You want to clean out the pool. And that's what's called personal development. There are lots of books in personal development. There's seminars in personal development. There are mentors who will help you with personal development. You may need a therapist. You may need a coach. You may need a best friend to help you along with it. But do it. Get yourself to the point of, of making your single life obsolete. Meaning get all the growth you could possibly get while you're still single. Get it done now. Finish your single life via personal growth. There's certain things that you've got to go through before you get married. Get done with them now by, by, instead of going through stuff, actually voluntarily get the growth you need. Figure out what you're going to do to get your personal growth in so that you are living with the ultimate you. So that whomever you marry who joins you and jumps in the pool of your life is going to have a real clean swim and a nice swim. That it's clean to be in a relationship with you. You're someone who burns clean fuel. And the beauty of that is that you'll be much more likely to recognize your soulmate when you're burning clean fuel, when you're coming from a place of self-generating love, when you're coming from a place of self-esteem, when you're coming from a place of real confidence, not ego confidence. You see, most of the time I meet someone who says that they're you know, in love or they want to get married to this person, and I'm looking at the two of them just going like, this is the least compatible couple I've ever seen. So I say to him, you know, what do you love about her? What are you so crazy about? And he gives me this long list of like six different things about himself. She makes me feel smart. She takes good care of me. She loves me. Me, 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 me. Who's he in love with? He's in love with himself. The truth is he's not in love with himself. The truth is he actually, most likely, if I can say, hates himself. And she's the band-aid over the wound. She's some kind of butterfly band-aid over a 50-stitch gouging wound inside his heart. And she's some kind of little butterfly band-aid going to hold it all together at least for a few weeks after the wedding. Most people are patching themselves up with relationships. Most people love people not because they love them, but because they're starting to feel a little sense of love of their self via that person. How many of us have been in relationships with people just because, meaning dead in relationships with people, just because they said, I love you? You know, they said, I love you, and so now we're in this relationship. And like a dead end relationship, wasting our time, wasting our energy, and, and they're cutting off chunks of our heart that we, we're going to need later for our marriages. All because someone said, I love you. Because, you know, because me, this sick puppy, finally got some love. Yeah? Which means it's all selfish. When you do your personal development and you develop you, that's the why, you, that you are coming from a powerful and healthy place burning clean fuel, you become a person who actually chooses great relationships. You're actually seeing the person you're dating 
for who that person is. When I ask people who have graduated my seminar work, for example, about a person they're interested in marrying, they only give me a list about that person. They, it has nothing to do with them. It's all about the virtues of the person they want to date. Because they're coming from a very nice space, a space of wholeness, a space of well-being. And so when I'm coming from well-being, well, I'm very interested in knowing other people. Now I can add people to my life. I can add children. I don't want to have my children saying they love me. I want to say I will love you to my children. How many of us grew up sitting in the back of the car and, and say you love daddy, say you love mommy. They're like pulling our love out. We need our love put in. We needed the love put in, not pulled out. Ch spouses are not for us to feel loved. Children are not for us to feel loved. Our love comes from the creator of the universe and comes from ourselves. And we add a spouse to our repertoire to be able to give love. And they, they're going to be doing the same thing, so don't worry, you're going to get it. You'll get the love. But you're, it's not about what they can give me, it's what I, I want to give. Because I'm overflowing, my cup overfloweth with love for other people, and especially for my spouse and for my children. They're not there as some kind of band-aid for some wound I have. Because that's not real love. That's just trying to love oneself via the usury of other people. So when you develop the sixth step, the why of the six steps of expediting, finding your soulmate, and you get your work done in your own personal development, you, so then you can have an amazing chance to look around at the world and say, who, who belongs next to me? Who's supposed to be swimming in my pool? And you really know yourself so well that you're much more likely to make a really good choice of who you're supposed to marry than some kind of fix-it job for some negative feelings you have toward yourself. So those are the six steps of happy, or the six ways of expediating finding your soulmate. I'll review them real quick. H is Hashem. A is alive. P is private. The other P is platonic. E is expectations. And Y is you. And just to go through them all again, Hashem is that God knows who you're supposed to marry. You worry about your relationship with God. God will take care of who you marry. A, alive, is that your spouse is already out there. So one, develop that relationship. And two, is start living with the integrity of marriage. P, is private. Live with the privacy of a married couple even before you're married. And the other P is platonic is stop being married to so many people when you're not married to any of them. And E is expectations, and that is get rid of all those expectations. That is your comfort wish list, your uh, what we call uh, uh, low-maintenance wish list. And, uh, but you can have your deal-breakers if there's some serious deal-breakers there. And finally, the Y is you develop yourself into the ultimate you. So that when you're finally bringing someone else into your life, that it's going to be a clean and beautiful experience. Thank you very much. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.